Salvers, welcome to St Hilda's Latin radio station. I'm Flavia Jemina. You may have heard of me from the Roman Mysteries stories by Caroline Lawrence. This is an extract from the 12 tasks of Flavia Jemina. Scroll 1. The day Flavia Jemina learned she was to be married began like any other winter day in the Roman port of Ostia. When Flavia awoke shortly after dawn, the sky showed as pearly pink diamonds through the lattice work screen of her window. She could hear rain gurgling in the gutters, and there was a delicious freshness in the air, the smell of rich earth and wet brick. Flavia snuggled deeper under the woollen blanket and wormed her feet under her dog Scuto's warm bulk. Today was the day of her uncle's betrothal feast, and tomorrow they are preparing for this festival of the Saturnalia, which would last five days, so there would be no lessons for a whole week. Presently, the scent of spiced wine and scalded milk brought Flavia padding downstairs to the kitchen, her blanket wrapped round her. Scuto trailed behind, trail wagging, tail wagging, absently. Good morning, dear, said Flavia's old nurse Alma, pouring hot milk into a ceramic half-cupped with half-filled with spiced wine. Cheese or barley? Both, please, said Flavia. And a little pepper. Does Pata have his pokalum yet? Yes, said Alma, sprinkling cheese and barley onto the steaming liquid. I took it to to him a few moments ago. She passed the cube of cheese over a silent grater so that melting curls covered the surface of the drink. There you are, my dear. Alma handed the pokalum to Flavia. Thanks, murmured Flavia and sipped the warming drink. She ate some of the cheese-coated barley floating on top and reflected that she liked a drink she could chew. The barley made her think of Pistor, the baker. She and her friends had spent most of November trying to discover who had been stealing his poppy seed rolls. Flavia liked mysteries, and in solving Pistor's crime case, she had proved to herself that she really was a detective. Her blanket still trailing behind, Flavia took her spiced drink out of the kitchen and along the peristyle to her father's study. On the other side of the red-based columns, rain fell softly on the inner garden. The fig tree had lost its leaves, but the shrubs nodded under the rain's carrots. Scuto wandered over to the quince bush to perform his morning ablutions. Morning, Caldex. Morning, Miss Flavia. The big door slave was standing on a small wooden stool, winding spires of glossy ivy round the columns. That looks nice. Flavia nodded her approval. Caldex grunted. On this mid-December day, the rooms of the house were dimmer than usual. But in the study, a standing oil lamp added its golden glow to the pearly light, filtering in from the garden. Beside the lamp was a copper brazier filled with glowing coals. Morning, Patter. Good morning, my little owl. 
Marcus Flavius Geminus sat hunched over his desk. His toga draped round his shoulders like a blanket. He shot her a fond but distracted smile. Flavia curled up on the old leather chair, tucking her feet up and putting her blanket around her. For a moment she warmed her hands on the cup as she watched her father work. She was still not used to his short hair. Two months ago, the doctor had cut off his matted, light-ridden locks. But at that time, her father had been too weak to dedicate his hair to the sea god. So last week he had shaved off the new growth and offered it at the Temple of Neptune to thank the god for sparing his life in a shipwreck. Now, his short hair and the new lines on his forehead made him look older. His face reminded Blavia of her grandfather's death mask in the household shrine. Next door in the atrium, she could hear the ring gushing from lion-mouthed terracotta gutters and splashing into the pool beneath the skylight. From upstairs drifted the sound of flute and lyre. Flavia's ex-slave girl Nubia and their tutor Aristo practiced together every morning before breakfast. Aristo said he found it easiest to compose music straight after waking. Scuto padded into the study from the garden, leaving wet paw prints on the marble veneer floor. He sighed and sank heavily beneath the brazier. Soon, the comforting smell of wet dog filled the room. It occurred to Flavia that, like her father, Scuto was also getting old. Patter, Flavia took another sip of her hot spice drink. Yes, sweetheart, he said abs absently, his head bent over a papyrus tal tally sheet. Patter, had the sands of time just run out for you? He gave her an, am an amused glance. I'm only 31, he said. I trust I have a few years left. He looked back at his sons and frowned. Patta, yes, Flavia. Patta, are we poor now? Her father sighed and put down his quill pen and turned to face her. I mean, said Flavia, they won't take our house away, will they? No, my little owl, they won't take the house away. A gift from an anonymous benefactor saved our house. Flavia nodded. Her father still didn't know that she herself was the unknown donor. As for our daily living expenses, he said, I may have to sell the divine Vespasian, Titus too. Oh no, said Flavia, looking at the marble busts of the current emperor and his scowling father. I like them. I like things just the way they are. Don't change anything. He sighed. My only other option is to ask my patron, Claudius, to lend us enough money to see us through the winter. Her father shook his head. Usually at this time of year, plenty of cash on deposit with my bankers. But I'd invested everything in that cargo of spices when it went down with Mertilla. His voice trailed off and he stared down at the sheets on his desk. Flavia could guess what he was thinking. Her father had named his ship after Flavia's mother. Mertilla, who had died in childbirth 
seven years previously. Now he had lost both Matillas. But you can use the ship Lupus inherited, can't you? said Flavia in her brightest voice. Yes, her father, her father smiled. But the Delphina needs some work done to her before the sailing season begins. And will need to perform the purification ceremony. That means purchasing a bull, another vast expense. Her father's chair scraped on the marble veneer floor as he pushed it back. Flavia, he stood. Yes, Pater? Flavia, you must be very discreet. You must not let anyone know that we are in debt. If people know we're struggling financially, they'll take advantage of us. I may even be stripped of, of my rank as an equestrian. We must behave as if we are pros pros prosperous, but without spending anything more than is absolutely necessary. Her father tugged at the folds of his toga to make them hang properly over his shoulder. I understand, Pata, said Flavia with a, uh, with a sigh. She'd been planning to task him for money, to buy Saturnalia gifts for her friends, but now that looked impossible. Her face brightened as Nubia appeared in the doorway, holding a steaming, steaming cup. Good morning, Nubia. Good morning, Flavia. Nubia sipped her drink and watched her puppy, Nipper, romp into the study. He was a pure black, almost as big as Scuto, and still growing. He greeted Flavia and her father with a, with a wagging tail and acknowledged Scuto with a brief sniff. Then he hurried back into the garden to see if the rain had brought out any snails. A young man appeared beside Nubia in the wide doorway. Their tutor, Aristo, was a handsome Greek with intelligent brown eyes and curly hair the colour of dark bronze. Today he was wearing a thick oatmeal coloured tunic, leather boots and a short red cape. A net was slung over his left shoulder and in his right hand he held a spear. I'm just off hunting, he said. I'll be back in time for... He took a deep breath. I'll be back by the seventh hour. Captain Geminus gave Aristo a grateful look. May Diana give you luck with the hunt, he said. I believe we ate the last of your friend's quail pie yesterday afternoon. I'll try to catch us a big ball for the Saturnalia. Aristo disappeared towards the back door. I'm off now too, said Flavia's father, going to the barber, and then to see my patron Cordius. I'll be back in a few hours. Oh, Flavia, Hercules, the wall painter, is coming today to make start on the new fresco in the dining room. A wall painter? I thought you said we had to be careful with our money. He's doing it gratis. He owes me a favour, said Flavia's father. He added, I gave him free passage to Sicily last year. Besides, it will give the impression that we're well off. He doesn't celebrate the Saturnalia, so he'll be working here over the next week. Imagine not celebrating the best festival of all 
murmured Flavia. Goodbye, sweetheart. Flavia's father bent to kiss her forehead. Goodbye, Nubia. He disappeared into the atrium, and a moment later, Flavia heard the front door close and the bolt fall into place. Nubia lingered into the peristyle, looking anxiously towards the back door. I hope Aristo is joking, she said. I hope there are no foaming balls in the woods today. He looks sad, remarked Flavia, and the music you were playing was sad too. I know, he is wretched because of today, because he's still loving Miriam. Nubia shivered. Flavia opened her blanket. Come, sit beside me, Nubia. Nubia squeezed onto the chair and pulled her side of the blanket round. It's almost chilly, she said. Flavia knew that Nubia was still used to the dry desert heat, not damp Italian winters. And this winter was particularly damp and cold. Everyone blamed the weather on the volcano which had erupted at the end of August. Flavia's nurse, Alma, <coughs> said it was just laziness. They'll be blaming Vesuvius for everything that happens over the next 20 years, she, she had grumbled. I've known cold winters, but Nubia obviously hadn't. She was still shivering. You should wear more than one tunic, said Flavia putting her arm round Nubia's shoulder and rubbing briskly. Like the divine Emperor Augustus, he used to wear five tunics in the winter. Yes, I will do that. And we'll go to the baths later, promised Flavia, after we've been to the market. Good, said Nubia. I will sit in the semi-sedatorium. A loud knocking on the front door brought Scooter to his feet and nip her in from the garden. They skittered across the study and into the atrium. Flavia heard Caldex grumbling in the peristyle. So she called out, Well, we'll get it, Caldex. Leaving the blanket on the chair, she and Nubia went into the atrium and passed the rainwater pool to the oak door with its heavy bolt. Scooter and Nipper were scrambling in the woods. They could smell their friend Tigris on the other side. The door, the door swung open to reveal two boys and a puppy standing in the shelter of the porch. They were dripping wet and their breath came in excited white puffs. Just come from shopping in the forum. Jonathan, the taller of the two, suffered from asthma. You'll never guess. What happened? He gasped. The whole town. Talking about it. The ship from Alexandria. Delayed by storms. Carrying animals from the games. Lupus, the younger boy, was making marks on a tablet. Nodding as he wrote. He had no tongue. And a wax tablet was his main form of communication. Animals! Jonathan was leaning on the door frame. Wild, ravenous beasts! The lion knocked the trainer off the gangplank and all the animals es escaped. A lion, breathed Flavia. She and Nubia exchanged wide-eyed looks. Other animals too. Jonathan was still breathless. What animals? 
asked Nubia. You tell them, Lupus, gasped Jonathan. This was the moment Lupus had been waiting for. He held up his wax tablet, and Flavia squealed as she read what he had written. Escaped animals! Lion, camelbard, elephant, and a giant man-eating bird! To find out what happens to their animals, you must read the rest of this book. You may find it in St. Hilda's Library. It's called The Twelve Tasks of Flavia Jemina, Caroline Lawrence. Thank you. That's enough for today on St. Hilda's Latin FM. Valete.